Hello and welcome back to In the Envelope, an awards podcast. I am, as always, your host, Jack Smart, the awards editor at Backstage, your guide to the acting industry and the most trusted name in casting. We are here to give you a behind-the-scenes look at some of the buzziest contenders for the small screen's biggest trophy, the Emmy Award. This season of In the Envelope is brought to you by HBO. Our work as actors, uh, on a personal level, is to continue to drop the armor. Drop the armor and just hit me. Uh, And you do not need protection from rejection or anything because we have the largest hearts in the world. Hi, Jamie. Welcome back. Pleasure to be back. I'm so excited to, to be back for Emmy's phase two post nominations. Yeah, where everything gets a bit more serious. I think it does. A little bit more fun, a little bit more, the stakes are a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, and our guests uh, are, are going to be Emmy nominees. We're going to get Emmy nominated actors on this next round of podcast episodes. And um, before we forget, we have to congratulate friends of the show Elizabeth Moss, David Harbour, Hank Azari, and Tandy Newton, who were all nominated for Emmy Awards. Congratulations to you all. Yeah, very, very well deserved. Very well deserved. Very well deserved. We've spoken to such brilliant people. Um, speaking of which, who, Jamie, do you want to reveal who our guest is for today's episode? Okay, so I get the grand unveiling. You do. It's... Anyone listening to this episode can literally see it on the title of the episode, but <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> Well, it is Anne Dowd from The Leftovers and my new favorite show, The Handmaid's Tale. That's right. Anne Dowd. Uh, Boom. Nominated for two Emmys this year, not one, but two. Guest actress in a drama for HBO's The Leftovers and supporting actress in a drama for Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale. Emmy voters and audiences are finally learning about the brilliance of Anne Dowd. As this interview, I think, proves. She's brilliant. Her performance in The Handmaid's Tale somewhat blew me away because Ooh. it's a real, yeah, it's chilling. Yeah. But she uh, has a subtle transition, let's just put it that way, that she plays very well. Yes, indeed. And we did get into the nitty gritty of that and how that relates to acting as a whole. I mean, this is someone who's just such a pro and she's even an acting coach. Um, she had plenty of advice for Yeah. Uh, backstage readers on how to how to give a performance like Aunt Lydia in The Handmaid's Tale and like Patty Levin in The Leftovers. Um, she is the sole nominee for HBO's The Leftovers, and it's three seasons of the show. It, the Emmys have only ever recognized it once, and that's for Anne Dowd. That, it seems so unbelievable. I know. I could have spent hours talking to Anne about both of these shows. I know you didn't want to let her go, did you? Religion. I really didn't. I wanted to ask her about religion, and I wanted to ask her about how her own personal beliefs play into these like really weird dystopian or just strange two roles that she has. Um, but we got to plenty. <laughs> we, we got yes. to plenty of stuff in the interview. So we should, we should get right to it. Yep. Here it is, our interview with Anne Dowd. 
This episode is brought to you by HBO's original comedy series, Veep. Veep follows former vice president and one-time president Selena Meyer and her staff as they attempt to make their mark and leave a lasting legacy without getting tripped up in the day-to-day political games that define Washington. Vulture raves, every member of the ensemble cast is still performing at his or her peak. And IndieWire states, Julia Louis-Dreyfus continues to slay. For your any consideration in outstanding comedy series and all other categories. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for for coming in. Thrilled. Um, Thrilled. You must be thrilled. How does it feel to be a double Emmy nominee? Oh my gosh! I, you know, I'm trying to think of different words other than just so happily stunned. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wildly grateful. Those are the two phrases that capture it. Yeah. You know, the whole awards. You know how it is. An actor tries to keep the balance as one should, uh. and the focus on the work. Because you can go a little cuckoo. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? And yes. you and, and you forget, I Adam, this gentleman that yes. you just met, you know, <laughs> we worked together on compliance. And oh, prior wow. to yeah. compliance, I didn't know anything of this world. Right, right. And so I never had that, uh, oh, am I going to be a, a nominated or, I just assumed. <laughs> You're just working. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And so that was a whole other world. But wow. then I noticed I got kind of attached to that, oh, will I, won't I? Ah. And I really said to myself, this is a great lesson. Get it together now. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So this round, oh, cool. I said, I'm going to mm-hmm. just let it go, mm-hmm. uh, talk to the people I'm talking to. And yeah. it turns out that I, okay, so I'm doing a series in, in North Carolina, which I love very much. Cool. It's called Good Behavior. Do you know it? It's it's um, Michelle Dockery and Juan Botto uh-huh. and Terry Kinney. Oh, yeah. Chad Hodge is the North writer. Carolina. Wow. It's so great. It's a great story. So weather is an issue in the South. Uh huh. In the summer, it's absurd. absurd. So like today outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but then times ten. Right. And then make sure it's raining or or, or <laughs> something. Yeah. Um, so I had a call. I was supposed to fly out on Wednesday, and I uh, the the nominations for oh. Thursday were going to be announced Thursday morning. Yeah. And so Monday at three o'clock, I get a call. Uh, we're sending a car in an hour and a half. 4.30 to pick you up because there's rain concerns and oh. your cover set. I'm like, what? So literally, and I got there that night, and they didn't use me. So I had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Just sitting around? In my And it turned out to be the best thing ever oh. because I have three children. I'm doing a fair amount of traveling. Two of them are essentially special needs kids oh, okay. that need a lot of full-on. Uh-huh. My husband is was... You know, it's always a balancing act. Sure. My husband is an actor as well. Yeah. So I had just three days of silence. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. It, it allowed me just to decompress completely. And again, perspective. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever happens, I literally wrote this down. I'm telling you this because I would tell you, you know, you're one of those journalists <laughs> where you'd say anything, forgetting that, <laughs> as a matter of fact, it's not just the two of us in the room. Do you right. know what I'm saying? Right. People are eavesdropping. But um, I had I, I I got up in the morning on Thursday morning, hmm. cleaned the house again. I had uh-huh. already done that, sure. and then I rearranged the furniture in the bedrooms because that's not quite right. Well, what if it was over there? <laughs> Do you know? Imagine not my house. May I just say? Yeah, yeah. And then I'm re- rearranging the pictures. I think that would look better if it were. And then I made myself go down. The announcement was at eleven thirty. Uh-huh. So at eleven fifteen, I went down and I wrote a letter. Asking myself to please remember oh, cool. how grateful I am for my life and the things in my life. My family, of course, my mm-hmm. children, my husband. The fact that I'm working 
on jobs I love. Mm -hmm. Please let that be the picture. Always, yeah. And uh, that however it lands, let me just arrive with a fair amount of grace about whatever happens. Yeah. I really wanted to keep because I have gone in other directions in the past briefly. Sure, You've and that's that a path of you know yeah. just that kind of like wanting or you sure. know that or or, or the need. so I did that and I went upstairs at eleven thirty and I just sat down <laughs> on the bed and then at eleven forty I said well that's as much as I can take ah, so then I called Adam I texted Adam and I said is it has it happened right, right. and he called and said you got both both. And I think I was I had sort of slipped off the bed, and I was kind of on my knees talking on <laughs> the phone. All alone. Wow! And I stayed in that room for the day, Whoa. sort of on the bed in various forms of just thinking about it. And I had that kind of privilege of time to just sit with it, yeah. you know. And I didn't go into work until the next day at five thirty nice. at night. Yeah. So it, it just was all. That is kind of nice. That kind you can of magic. Really get your head straight about it. Well, that's a thing, and just just I know this sounds probably boring after a while, but the immense degree of gra- great gratitude for this mm-hmm. because absolutely. And someone had said, you know, um, do you feel finally after all these years? You know, you're fine. I said, no, there's not a finally in it because no. y- what keeps you going are the are, is the work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, y- year after year, you know. And you, sure. we all know actors who aren't working, who yeah. are plenty talented. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't take much to realize how lucky just to be working. And then to add to this sure. this wonderful surprise and, of the nominations, it's just a lovely yeah. thing. The, the one Leftovers nomination for the whole series. Oh my God, that series just I you. love so much I can barely... That show changed my life. And we're going to get to The Leftovers, obviously. We have to talk about it. It's funny you said that you sat there for three days in silence because that's a very Patty Levin. <laughs> Patty Levin thing to do. Just writing. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Just quiet. Quiet. Yeah. So you, you've you trained from the very beginning, even though, correct me if I'm wrong, your family did not support your dream of becoming an actor at first. Well, they didn't. It was, it, it was more that they never considered. My father died when I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And he always came to the school plays and everything. But the plan was that I was going uh-huh. to med school. He was very supportive of it as a hobby uh-huh. and loved theater. To, you know, the family, he would take us to Broadway shows. That's my first, and it was so sweet, imagine. Yeah. But it's just not something one considered, you know. That, that, as a you profession, know. yeah. And then he died, and I went to college even more determined to complete the goal I had said that I had set up. I was going to be a doctor. Wow. And so I did plays in college and so on, but it didn't occur to me then. You don't, that's, that's so not heavy. how it goes. Yeah. Um, but I, got, I was very close to my roommate who lost someone in her life. And so when that happens, grief, as we know from the leftovers, oh, it yeah. has a way of, it's a special club, if you will. Absolutely, yes. I shouldn't say club. Um, well, it's a special, you know, when it happens. And you look around and you're saying, you don't realize we're in a different, we're not even here. Mm-hmm. We're in a, a world removed yeah. and pretending to function. Sure. Um, but she said to me, this lovely roommate, Marybeth Wally, she said, is this really what you want to do? You want to go to med school? I said, no, no, I want to be an actress. Well, yeah. yeah. This is senior year, mind you. Mind <laughs> you. And four years of, I mean. doctor. And and it's it's as I've said before, it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, pre med is intense. Oh, that's a full yeah, full commitment. And and they're they're always saying to you, look around because oh. next semester there'll um, be a third less, and isn't that like oh, I'm eighteen? What? Right, right. Uh, 
so so but then senior year jump ahead um and my poor mother here she's got seven children she's right you know kind of right. doing a solo and then here's the one who was going to go to med school and right <laughs> <laughs> instead she chooses the least predictable career yeah. possibly predictable. that you could as but she as came around um, in her lovely beautiful way and and it, and i assume she came around long before you got Kind of the bigger roles and the oh yeah the Jeff Awards and the yes yes she she was there and and and, yeah. uh, and I remember saying to my grandmother, who had to in her home the Dublin Players oh uh huh I mean they they were full support theater you know Very cool. but as a terms of and I said I'm going to be an actress she said oh no darling you are that's a wonderful hobby isn't it <laughs> but that's not what we're going to and I looked at her and I said but grandma those are the gifts I was given. Mm-hmm. And she said, "You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. of course. Oh, cool. Of course, you're going to be an actor. Just imagine, lovely like that. Uh, huh. So yes. And then, and you were in Chicago, and you did quite a bit of theater, and you've continued to do theater. But how did you get? How did you start to do TV? That was your first kind of foray into on-screen work. Yeah. Well, you know, in uh, Chicago, because I had an agent. Oh, okay. Eventually. Yeah. And Just so from they, hard work from... Well, you know, it was a smaller world then. Uh-huh. You know, okay. um, I, I graduated in 81. And so, uh, and I was no more ready for an agent or anything. I had a fair amount of anxiety about the work period. Uh-huh. So I had to sort that out. Like if someone said, you have an audition, all I wanted to do was get through it. Yeah. And for quite a long time, I d- couldn't even really speak in an audition. I mean, I look back at that now and I say, wow. who were you? Yeah, wow. Because I would just be overwhelmed with, I don't have anything to say. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and I've but, heard auditions are often just the opposite of acting. They're a totally different skill set that an actor needs. Well, the the skill set you actually need is the acting skill. Oh, okay. I'm gonna, to fall back on I'm that. Gonna, I'm yeah. going to stick with that. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's similar to the question, though perhaps not really, what's the difference between film acting and television, uh, theater acting? Mm. And... I've had the privilege of teaching f- for a few semesters, um, and I do a bit of coaching when I mm-hmm. can. And I say quite firmly, there is no difference. I mean, there are technical differences. Right. But you and I are talking together in a room. If a camera was there, mm-hmm. we wouldn't change anything. Mm-hmm. However, if there's an audience and there's a house that goes quite a distance, you're going to adjust your volume because yeah. of the the environment you're in. Mm-hmm. But the deal is but the same. What yeah. do I want? What's in my way? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do to get what I want? Mm, cool. Listen to what's being said to you. Listen, yeah. Uh, pay attention. Mm-hmm. Let go. Do your homework in advance. Let it go when you get in the room. But so to answer your question, instead of going a long way around the avenues and alleyways, <laughs> I just got an audition and I got the part. And I remember my agent taking me saying, okay, so there's a word, they start by saying, um, and uh, roll sound. Oh, uh-huh. Rolling, or, and cut. And she was giving me basic terms. Right. You're totally uh, new to it, yeah. Because I had literally yeah. no idea. <laughs> Amazing. I, and, and, and to even think that there's more than one camera set up, I figured, camera goes here, and then you go, Shh, and then right. you go home. Oof. And so I spent, you know, just trying to not make it look like I had no clue. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, just... Okay, that's she's an acting exercise in and of itself. Oh well, that's it. <laughs> Just to stay upright and not get in the way. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, but then, of course, you get very, very good at it. You just keep going and going and going. It's so nice to have. There's nothing like um, I get everything repetition. Yeah, practice. Yeah, practice. 
Yeah. And even when you go back, if I've been away from North Carolina for a while, you have to remind yourself it's all going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let go. Yeah. Do your little warm up. Um, make sure you know you're ready to go. But then trust and relax. Right. It's that same thing. Um, the more you do, the re- you realize the camera is not an intrusive object in the room. It's a very dear friend who hmm. notices everything, not cool. in a critical way, uh-huh. but in a, you have to look at it that way, but it, in a way that illuminates cool. who you are as this character. Interesting. Um, decisions about how you want to perceive everything. Wasn't that true in all our lives? Right. Well, and I'm, I always <clears throat> wonder like how much of that for film, for on-screen acting, how much of that is conscious and how much of it is subconscious. Like obviously the repetition to an extent, all that, the technical stuff you're talking about, that's ingrained in you, right? And you don't necessarily have to actively think, oh, yeah, make sure that I find my light or, oh, make sure that I'm hitting my mark or all of those things. Like, is that... Well, hitting your mark... (laughs) (laughs) Is that a conscious thing? That is. Well, you just have to be aware. I mean, I... Yeah. As many sets as I've been on, I can tell you, I I do not understand camera partic... I'm trying to learn the lenses. Oh, uh Um, Oh, cool. I was just working with, you know, and, and uh, who's the wonderful actress? I, I didn't get enough sleep to know names. She's so good. <laughs> she was the guest artist in this episode of Good Behavior. Mm-hmm. It'll come to me. She would say to the AD, what lens are they using now? And the AD wasn't used oh. to that. Because, uh-huh. of course, I think the larger the, the larger the number, the closer the, uh-huh. you know, whatever it is. But she was that aware. Wow, okay. Because if the shoot, if, if it's... You know, if it's a close-up, wow. and she would adjust her performance. She would, yes, adjust. Yeah, well. I imagine subtly to a degree, uh-huh. but which is but. to say, she kept the the integrity of the performance, mm-hmm. which was very, very rare. I thought, oh, <laughs> well, I have a little to learn. Learn here. something new oh. every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, but I don't know what question I'm, I I lost track of what we were saying. Oh, <laughs> the technicalities. Some of them do. Um, yeah, some but, of them are at the forefront. What you do less of is fret. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and 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 you are not sure. distracted by everyone around you so close. Yeah. Because you're realizing they're doing their job and I'm doing mine. Uh-huh. It's all working together. Hmm. And it's not a series of distractions, but rather a, a realization that it's collaborative and we're all here doing the same thing. Yeah. Because for someone like me who's done little to no on-camera acting, what you're saying about the camera not being intrusive, but being like a just a friend who's listening, like, that's crazy to me. It's It seems very intrusive. It seems invasive and scary. But with the repetition, you get to the point where you have that wonderful relationship with the camera rather than that fretting that you're talking about. Yes, exactly. Right? Or the feeling of being self-conscious. Or, yeah. And that, I think, comes with time. Sure. Over time, yeah, you know. So actors at the at the beginning of that process who are new to a set, for example, they should just know, right, that it's just about it's just a matter of time and repetition and practice. And that, but even on that first try, you know, you know, it just takes a good talking to, a gentle one uh, to mm, oneself. Cool. Okay, I've done my homework. I know what I, I know certainly know my text. Yeah, I've uh, got to do your homework. Done the personalizations or whatever I need to do. I've mm-hmm. done. Um, and just to allow yourself to know that's that that's what I needed to do, and now I'm going to go in, and I'm going to work with this person right across from me. And listen, yeah. And I'm and I, when I'm anxious, I'm going to take a deep breath, mm. and I'm going to shake it out, and and uh, I'm going to know that it doesn't all have to be perfect on the first take. Mm. That's mm-hmm. such a huge thing to learn. Sure. Because there's so little rehearsal. 
um, for film and TV. So that you trust that um, yeah. you're going to do the wide shot first, for instance. Oh, cool. That's going to give you a chance, nice. as many times as you do it, to just get more and more comfortable. Uh-huh. Find your way, find your way. Cool. Uh, in the past, I but you'd panic. You think, "Oh my God, this is no more camera ready than you know." Oh. But then this you'll, is the get first rehearsal, you'll get there. You'll yeah, get yeah, yeah, there. You'll get there. Well, in fact, Elizabeth Moss on this <clears throat> podcast, Elizabeth said um, that the best audition advice that she received was from Jane Campion, who said of her audition, "Don't just try to get the dart on the board. Try to find an approximation of the performance or of the character, and that just kind of releases the tension for you because you're not trying to make a perfect performance the first right. time. It's that fretting you're talking about. That's so." The fretting is what gets in the way of great acting. Yeah, I think, and, and because of fear right away, you know, yeah. anxiety and all of that. doesn't help um, you be in touch with your with your instrument and with no, yourself. And no, I have a long ways to go to learn that in the theater, too. So oh. still, still struggle with that a little bit. Yeah, the, yeah. Is your process of creating a character, whether it's for an audition or whether it's for a, a role that you have booked, is it the same across the board? Do you always take the same approach? I know that you had... A lot of really interesting influences for Aunt Lydia in The Handmaid's Tale. Yes. A uh, variety of stuff. Yeah. You know what's nicer, too? I've said this before, but I think aging is underrated. Oh, cool. Uh-huh. Wildly so. Um, <laughs> in the sense that you learn to trust that it's not just, you know, it, uh, I'll finish that sentence in one second. <laughs> Pre-med, you know, you put the hours in, oh. you put the hours in, you put the hours in. Uh-huh. You learn it cold. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then you learn it again mm-hmm. uh, because you're going to go in and you're going to have a small period of time and you're going to have 10 minutes of panic because you're not going to recognize anything on the page at first. And then you're going to say, hold on, hold on. I find I can. Because they'd always uh, up the notch of, you'd be like, wait a second. Uh, mm-hmm. But they want you to extrapolate what you knew. You know, they'd be right. Cool, cool. And that's, you learn to do that. Acting school, I applied the same. Well. No. Oh, not The at same all. technique uh-huh. of you just learn that character. Uh-huh. Hello, that's a human being you're attempting to know. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. It is a relationship. Oh, cool. You don't march into a friendship and say, all right, you're going to be friends with me. You're going to tell me everything you know about yourself, and you're going to do it right now. I need to know it. Right. And I'm going to perform it, and I want it all. You know, <laughs> I didn't even realize that was what I was doing until mm. I was like, why is this turning from something that was so joyful to anxiety-ridden? Yeah, rigid, uh, structured. R- structured, yeah. rigid, uh, has to be the same way every day. Mm. So invested in what it was, how it looked and how it sounded. Then I thought, oh, it took me a long time to realize, darling, yeah. this is a relationship. Huh. Be respectful of this person you hope to know. Wow, cool. Read read your text. Read it again. Yeah. Read it again. See where she is coming from. And yeah. if I think if the character whom I believe is just waiting to be, I think she is alive uh-huh. uh, in the text, surely in the writer's mind and soul. Um, we're the vessel for that. Right. And we will get what we need. Uh, and you don't, it's not about pounding it out. No, it's about your relationship with that. I think cultivating so. that relationship, cultivating it, yeah. and just saying what you can tell me today, I would appreciate. Okay, um, yeah. and I won't judge you, and if I am judging mm. you, I will acknowledge it, and then we will right. see what we can do here. Yeah, uh, always a dialogue, um, and I, I think that's, and that's when I began to realize, oh my goodness, because I would spend hours working on text and everything, everything. Now I just I spend my time, but it is far less arduous. Uh huh. Because. Hmm. 
the character, like for instance, someone said, "How did Lydia's voice come to come to you?" Well, I don't know. Oh, uh-huh. um, and I didn't make a conscious choice. Uh-huh. Whatever the influences were in my life that that uh, contributed to her, yeah, yeah, I thought, well, they'll present themselves, cool, and we'll see how that feels mm. when we're doing it. Hmm. Um, just taking off the controls, the hands off the controls. Yeah. I don't mean don't make decisions. Right. But, but being open to inspiration. Just to and, see, and, and given that you've read it and read it again right. and read it again, that you know what she wants, mm-hmm. that you know that you've created some kind of story that makes her a full human being. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lydia as a sadistic person with a cattle prod, well, <laughs> I guess if you're into horror films, that's good for 10 minutes. Mm. But if what we're looking for is a human being. Right. And we usually are. I would think. Yeah, right. Because isn't it funny? I remember what what moves us in a a performance, what moves us in the theater. And to me, the dynamic in acting is always between people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whether it's one with a group, as in The Handmaids, Mm -hmm. one-on-one, as in with Justin, my dear Justin. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about that. So that means mm. letting go of the controls. It's all because we're, we're, we're wired that way. Yeah. I know what I want from you today, which is a good conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what's in my way? Well, I don't know you well, and I'm not sure I'll say the right <laughs> things, but, but right. I know that I want to be here. Right. And you're going to guide me, and yeah. you're going to have a real conversation. It's yeah. going to be a Something's going to exist between us. It's almost like a <clears throat> we're greater than the sum of our parts kind of thing. It's about the relationship. Well, that's the thing. And that's, to me, what's always moving in a performance when it's Mm -hmm. it's between people. Yeah. And it's not about look at me and look at what I can do. Exactly. And that's Um, why people say it should be more about reacting than acting. Well, yeah. Or or just, you know, one time I I had a role on NYPD Blue. Did you ever see it? Um, No, I've never seen it. No, because it it was a while ago. (laughs) I interviewed Amy Brenneman. Um, Oh, I love her. (laughs) She's so great. But uh, I always admired that show. I thought it was very, very good. David Mm -hmm. Milch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wonderful actors. They were all good. They'd been doing it for a long time, so they knew the drill. Oh, yeah. And his language is very specific. Like wonderful writers, there's a kind of, and you don't switch things. Mm -mm. Uh You don't invert, you don't change. To, you know, you don't make the material come to you. You go to the material. Cool. Do you know what I mean? That's cool. the the drill. We all yeah. know this. So I went to, to do a part on it, and I was thrilled. Um, but I didn't understand what the character wanted. I couldn't quite figure it out. Uh-huh. She was the wife of a, of, a, of, a, of a lieutenant in the police force who was found dead from asphyxiation in his car with his mistress. Okay. Wow. Which the wife knew nothing about. Uh-huh. Wow. And so she has to go back to the office to claim his this or that. There's a reason why she has to go back to his place of work. Uh-huh. And for the life of me, I did not know what she wanted. Hmm. I under, sort of understood her because the part will come through somehow or another. But I was really struggling and I was panicking because in the morning, it was like a kind of a boys club. Oh. And and even though the woman, the director was a woman and she was lovely, oh. you could tell that the producers are. So you you huh. you read through it and then you walk through it and then you do the marks for camera. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember going into the trailer and sobbing. I called my husband and said, "I can't. I don't think I can do this. I don't huh. know what I'm going to do." And he said, "Well, just do what you always do." What do you mean? I said, "No, I I don't I don't know what she wants and I don't know what." So then we go to shoot it after lunch and Milch is there. Uh huh. Oh wow. Oh, and you can. And I did the or? rehearsal, uh-huh. 
And he loves actors. You can tell a mile away. Mm. It's the greatest thing. Yeah. And so he said, she is there to protect his honor. And that is why she will move through all of this, keeping it together the best she can, because she wants to preserve his honor. Huh. I have goosebumps now when I yeah, say it. Yeah. Because <laughs> all, suddenly all the fear dropped. Yeah. I didn't care how it sounded, sense. how it looked. Mm -hmm. I just knew what I had to do. Yeah. It's a ticket to freedom for an actor. Right. And I, after we finished... Oh, he just gave it to you. He just, he just named it. Wow. And then and all things fell away. Wow. And I remember getting in the car afterwards, and I wept from sheer gratitude. Wow. <laughs> that's by way of saying, when you know what it is the character wants, Yeah. that's always the reminder when the anxiety starts to rise up. Say, baby, go back to basics. Come yeah. on now. What does she yeah. want to do here? What What is the objective and what is standing in the way? And then what the are you objective? going to do to get what you want? Yeah. What's the relationship? And is that Meisner? I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's just what... <laughs> that's what you studied I think in, that it's Stanislavski, essentially, uh -huh. I would assume, if you're going to name it. Sure. Um, but that's what we were taught, and yeah. that's what always made sense to me. Yeah. Keep it simple. You need purpose. And and the cool thing about that particular objective is it's not just clear. It's not just an actable thing. It's also compelling. It's also an interesting objective. And I think for to hit that jackpot, you need both. You need it to be clear, but you also need it to be compelling. Well, you got to pick the right verb, in other words. Yeah, the verb. Oh, cool. Yeah, Which yeah, is yeah. What, what doing is an action word. So mm -hmm. you're looking for the verb. Yeah. And if you, I find my, you know, you say, okay, I've been doing this for a long time. Do I need to? Yes, you do. You need to go to basics always. Always, always. yeah. I mean, if you get it and it's unconscious huh. and you, but it's happening, I don't think you have to rip it apart. But uh -huh. it's when you okay. let that be, trust yeah. that that'll take care of itself. Because um, I think our job is to bring to consciousness uh, the events of the play. You uh -huh. know what I mean? Because that's uh -huh. why they say, um, I think this makes sense to me. Why do you depend on verbs? Like, what do I want? Because that's what we can control. Uh-huh. And repeat. Right. Because, yeah. Because... An adjective is not... Well, you, how do you act in adjective? Right. Exactly. In and, forward motion, yeah. And if you just depend on, which I've done before, if you have a strong emotional engine, you forget sometimes to structure the performance because eight times a week. Uh-huh. And then when previews are over, so you're no longer running the event on adrenaline, oh. but you're in it, you better have that structure. That's right. Yeah. That's how you can repeat You can't every... just go out and say, my objective is to cry, you know. Yeah, or or, or um, on the time, I would say a good three out of eight times, you don't feel like doing it. Uh-huh. So you got to find a way in. You mean for like a Broadway show? Or any show you do uh -huh. eight times a week. You think, sure. oh, sometimes you, you so get there and you think, I've done it. Oh, but not today, sweetie pie. Not tonight, yeah. First time. First time. <laughs> Three anyway, out of eight. I'm, I love that. That's so I'm, interesting. I hope I'm not no, you're bearing in this conversation. Um, so. I And what maybe the great, I wanted to ask, like, who is Aunt Lydia? And I also want to ask, like, who is Patty Levin to you? But maybe the proper way to ask that question is, like, what is the objective? What is um, Aunt Lydia, what does Aunt Lydia want? What is her verb? Her verb, well. She is fascinating. Well. I would say this about her. I'll answer that part in a second. But I asked Bruce Miller, what did she do before Gilead? Uh-huh. And he said, I think she was a teacher. Okay. It made perfect sense. Mm -hmm. So you, right away you can imagine, well, who did she teach? Fill in the blanks, yeah. Imagine was an all-girls school or sure. even a public school. Was it a and, Catholic or a, yeah. Uh, you know, I was educated 
with sisters, mm-hmm. um, none that were obviously that had Lydia's agenda. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, and imagine her watching the world that she believed in, a place of integrity and honor and purity, and did mm-hmm. all of that just falling apart. The promiscuity, the language, uh, the pollution, um, and not being able to get through to these girls mm-hmm. at all, who probably made fun of her constantly. Sure, oh, as yeah. that odd duck. Mm-hmm. who still thinks the Bible is the way to learn about life. Right. I'm sure she was kind of an isolated person. No, Maybe she, she may- was not the popular girl. No. Right. And, you know, I'm sure she dressed conservatively and mm-hmm. her hair and didn't believe in a lot of makeup or any of that because, sure. you know. And so when she had a chance suddenly in this world of Gilead, I think mm-hmm. she, you know, she, her purpose is to make sure those girls understand without question what is expected of them to survive in this world. Mm. And to help them to recognize that they are chosen, and that God has placed them in the extraordinary position of, re- of bearing a child mm-hmm. in a time when that has become more and more rare. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she loves those girls. This is what, to me, makes her human. Mm. Um, yeah. the, uh, without question. I mean, you see you know, uh, Janine, and mm-hmm. maybe it is the first episode, when she uh, uses the word a couple of times, this girl. Mm-hmm. And I, D- D- Lydia makes the decision quickly. This girl's not going to learn fast. We're right. going to have to get really this, get, get to this immediately and make an example of her. Mm-hmm. This will Oof. never work. Oof. So Lydia takes her eye. Mm-hmm. But then you notice she protects, she shepherds almost those girls. A, yeah, she's got a preference almost. She's preferential treatment too. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I, I think <laughs> I asked myself, do you think that uh, Lydia f- thinks she overreacted with Janine? Because that girl oh. is not stable. No. And maybe she should have picked up on that. And, and maybe, okay, maybe I could have taken a finger. Uh-huh. You right. know, or I could have done a, some pro- cattle prods or some electric things like I did. And with, she would learn, yeah. Let's see. Um, this oh. girl can't manage it. So I think Lydia keeps a very, very strong hold uh, and a watch on her. Come yeah. on now, honey. Oh, yeah. We're going to do it. Well, and that's, I think, why the, the culmin- it culminates in that scene. Spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't seen the show, but the scene on the bridge where she's standing there and, and Lydia is just so... Frantic. Yeah. Frantic. At, at her wit's end. It's it's That's where the love and the protectiveness And also in the through. scene in which the Mexican delegates have come mm-hmm. and hear these girls, because I think she really feels that those were sacrifices they made yeah. to... The betterment of... To, to the betterment of themselves and therefore the community. Right. Right. I mean, the example from my past, when you would say, where did, who is Lydia? Where does she come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't go searching for that anymore. I let that present itself. You mean the like the inspirations and the... Yes, because yeah. they'll come. The influences. Sure. That's the other thing about um, not like you holding said about on her voice. Tight. Oh, yeah. just see, see what comes up, honey. See mm-hmm. what comes up. It's like a muse. Well, that's the thing. Who, who will be the one? And I remember yeah. I had one sister in particular. Her name was Mother Claude. Uh-huh. She was very, very tough on me, always. Sure. And I, I never understood it. Yeah. I was like, what? I would be going to basketball practice. She'd come right down and get me. Your job was to sweep the floor. You did not do it. Oh. You, will, you will do it again now, and you will not go to basketball practice. Wow. And uh, if this happens again, you will not be on the team. Oh, wow. And for for months, I was enraged. She, every little thing. Mm-hmm. Well, by the end of it all, I realized... Okay, and maybe I, it took many years to realize mm-hmm. what a great lesson that was. You are not special. Mm-mm. You are not different. Yeah. You have a job to do. You do it to the best of your ability. Yeah. And when you are finished, you move on to the next thing. 
Yeah. I think Lydia, of course, it's a whole other world. It's cranked up a bit, yeah. Uh, um, but the work ethic and the discipline, yeah. to her, that is the ticket to a good life, period, and to right. heaven. If you've better yourself, you will better society. And that is your job, and you've been given an it's opportunity here. Yeah. And her job is to enforce that. That's it. Is to get other people to do their jobs, essentially. Did you ever see Doubt? Or you, I'm sure you've read yeah. it. Yeah, you've played... Um, Aloysius, mm -hmm. my love. Um, <laughs> wow. She taught me huge things. Oh, cool. Uh, but, you know, if, if she were left to her own devices, yeah. she'd probably be a gardener for the convent, isolated. She would be wrapping the, the barks. Huh. Remember that scene in which she's actually outside uh -huh. um, taking care of plants? She has a very deep knowledge of what helps. She's not an extrovert. She's an introvert, no question. Huh. Uh, however, I mean, she's, she doesn't have any, she doesn't, I don't think by nature she's suited to the role of running that school. Not at all. Huh. But that is the assignment. But it's her job, yeah. So she does it to the utter best of her ability. Cool. Protects them. Protect them, protect them. Oh, so that counts as an inspiration for Lydia, too. Completely. Yeah, cool. Completely. And, and the religious aspect of the, it. The too. big question is, you know, Aloysius has that remarkable moment of doubt. Yes. Which is really the beginning of her life. Oh, the last moment of the yeah, play I mean, is her... Um, when you can open up to doubt, maybe yeah. I did the wrong... Maybe everything I was holding on to so tightly... Oh, cool, yeah. Maybe I was wrong. Mm. Now... <laughs> I often wonder people who are so rigid in their thinking to the exclusion of everything else that's around them. Mm -hmm. You wonder, where's the damage? Right. What's the fear? What? I mean, there's one thing to have values, mm -hmm. but to have them this... So... So rigid. So rigid. tunnel visioned. Yeah. So now at the end of uh, the season of Handmaids, it'll be interesting to me to see how she responds when her world falls apart uh -huh. and when they drop those stones and say, sorry. Yeah. What happened? Yeah, when they dropped the stones. I mean, the thing that struck me about that scene was she, it seems that she was so shocked mm. at, at this kind of uprising because she f believes these things so deeply and she believes in that rigid structure so deeply and she can't understand why others wouldn't. And to uh, them, of course, they're not going to hurt their, essentially their well, sister. But the other thing, part of that, this is the brilliance in the way they wrote this, they, Bruce and... Uh -huh. And Margaret, of course. And Lydia doesn't want to do it. Okay. Oh, interesting. That's the problem. You know, she doesn't she have can, a stone in her hand. She could barely function, I think, that day. Wow. Because here it's Janine. Wow. Okay. The girl that I have shepherded all this way, and she Ugh. blew it. Yeah. And the decision is made by higher ups. Yeah. She's got to go. And that's the law. And I and think that's yeah, that's it. That and follows. so Lydia is really up against um, something she doesn't want to do it either. <sighs> So, but, but she's, she's going to try to do it, and she's going to do it. Yeah. Uh, but it's not um, like when I say that that first scene of the stoning, the salvaging. Yes. Of that uh -huh. guy. The, um, when you repress people to the degree that they have, re we are doing that. They're going to turn on this poor man. Sure. And all of that fear and rage and anger is going to turn into violence. Uh huh. But uh, Lydia, I think Lydia. Then that's why she said to those guardians, "But you don't—you're not in charge of those girls, right? So you stop right now." Yeah, uh, it's very conflicting for her. My once well, she has that she has issues with power and who's in charge and who's well. Not that's the thing, and anyway. I don't think it's really clear. No. Like Commander's wife Serena Joy saying, "Get those damaged ones out." Had we been in a different circumstance, I would have said, "Hey, excuse me a minute." Right. You're not in charge here. 
And you might have even been and I as said, violent no, to her. No, these girls as, are in. Yeah, wow. They've been promised this, and I'm done. I, we follow, the, you know. But huh. in that circumstance, I'm not going to make a scene. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. How interesting. You had such juicy material on this show. Oh, my God. And it, I mean, you just, of course, you transform into this character, too. And, and this voice, like you mentioned, that came, that sort of came to you. Yeah, that, that just found its way out. <laughs> Did the same thing happen for Patty? Oh, Patty. Patty has a, has a distinct voice as well. I feel like the writing styles and the, the these two very different women, it must have just been a completely different process for you because— Well, it was a totally different process, and— Especially um, the season three episode of The Leftovers that you're in, this whack, wacko, wacko, wacko episode. Isn't it brilliant? Uh, I mean, the writing and the concept of yeah, how it was conceived. Yeah. Well, I watched it with Justin. We watched that oh, episode cool. and the last one oh, wow. in his home, which was such a—I love him so much. I can't even find uh-huh. words. He's and amazing. I always will. Oh. Yeah. So amazing. Uh, we kept looking at each other saying, who comes up with these ideas? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, that whole experience of leftovers, uh, I, I don't know when I've ever been more affected in my life by anything. Uh-huh. Oh, I um, think a lot of people can say the same thing, just watching it. And and I, I want to say sometimes, try doing it. Because it's yeah. almost scary because it brings up <laughs> everything. Uh-huh. That first season, when I first read the material, I can't we even lost. believe I was the same per- the first before we did it. Yeah, you were so confused. No, I was like dismissive of it. <laughs> oh, I said, interesting. Who's departing? No one's departing. What is this? I swear to God, <laughs> that I can't thought, happen. And I put it away. So, like sci- this is science fiction. I know that. Right. Uh, and then my agent, instead of saying "moron," read it again. He took a breath oh. and said, "Well, it is an HBO series shooting in New York. Why don't you give it another look?" Ah, uh, okay. Just for practicality's sake. So yeah. I, I just looked at me like, well, and I went and I thought, oh, this is this is kind of interesting. Well, you got first deep. episode in. I'm more attached than I even realized. Oh, well, yeah. Because I was no longer looking at life of, well, can I touch it? Can I actually identify it, see mm. it? This opened. Right. I will never be able to thank Damon Lindelof and Tom Parada and Justin ever. Yeah. Um, and what that woman went through, her her story is a whole different one. Yeah. You just tell oh, me when it's gosh. finished. Her yeah. first season is about, you know, she's been abused, mm-hmm. told she's worth nothing, basically. And she knows something's going to happen, and her psychiatrist is saying, no, no, honey, that's anxiety. Again, your instincts, they don't mean anything. Well, she was right. She might have actually, yeah, well, She did, and she And when it happened, and she stepped into herself for the first time in her life, in that position, and— As a mute cult member. A, a, as a com- fully committed yeah. person saying, let go, the world has ended, the way we are looking, it is done. Nothing means Face anything. facts, death is the goal. Mm-hmm. And she achieves that goal. Yeah. Oof. Second season, it's about sharing with him, letting go of the emotional, that um, regret. When I had a chance to leave, uh, I did not. Uh huh. I stayed in the abuse. When I had the money from Jeopardy, uh, I could have left. Yeah. And she, she, and she well. lifts that burden and hands it to Kevin. Yeah. He takes it and uh, then lets her go. Yeah. I get goosebumps. Oh, and then gosh. she returns the favor in, in the third. In the third. Oh, she returns the favor. Cool. You're, honey, look at me now. You're uh, hiding. And so what we're going to do, we're going to do it together. Gonna make you we're going to blow up that world. Yeah, yeah. And then you and will no longer yourself. be able to go. And then you're going to have to, you're going to live your genuine, yeah. authentic life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop, stop killing yourself to stop escape. Stop hiding. And here you are. And I'm going to help you. Come on now. Yeah. And and the way he put that in with that wild what? secretary of state. Oh, my gosh. Who is your secretary of state, Patty Levin? 
I, I, I mean, How about when she was running for president? It was like, what, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, and the assassination and all of that. Oh, it's my. It's so bonkers. It's so brilliant. I mean, when you first read that script, what is your thought like? Like, how do you, how do you act well, the Secretary of State in this fantasy afterworld? Well, the brilliant thing is, because Damon is that good, Yeah. she was the same person from, she had let go of certain things, but the essence mm-hmm. of her was fully present. Right. And so it was just a new scenario. Uh, and he would always answer huh. questions. Like the hardest part of understanding for me was coming back in season two. And I remember saying to Damon, "Why am I here?" What are you? And he said, "She doesn't know." Yeah. Last thing she knows, <laughs> she got rid of it. She ended her life, Isn't and that now so she's weird? here. Yeah, how like... brilliant! And then I said, <laughs> and "I how thought, oh, and, but how right? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. She's trying to put it together yeah. again. You go right back to the action. Oh, trying she's to trying to make sense of this. I don't truth. know what I'm doing here. Yeah. He'd be like, "Tell me what? I don't know. Why would yeah. I know?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Uh, when I said to him, so is she trying to help Kevin with the relationship? So I'm saying things like, I told you not to tell Nora, don't tell your daughter. Right. He said, oh, no, she doesn't believe in relationships. And oh. I thought, wow. Uh, wow okay. Wow. Oh, and I love the idea that it, that was all a continuation. Like in the, in the well, when uh, you said that he takes the burden from her. And so that season three episode is a continuation of that, of like, this is not a static character who pops up and is the same every time. She has actually changed from season two, which is oh, not yes. something that I think about as a viewer because we're just seeing you in these alternative dimension well, that's another world. And people would say, well, what do you think she is in season two? Is she a ghost? I said, I have no idea what she is yeah. because that's what Damon frees you from also, which is brilliant, is totally. t- naming white, something. Black or white answers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it's yeah. not a linear pro- it's process. It's more just like, what do you think? Well, and also it's like, I don't know, but I'm present. I do know that. yeah. I'm, I'm, and that objective of trying to figure out why you're there is a great objective. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it allows you to pursue, pursue. Like, I yeah, don't know cool. what I'm doing here. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, oh I love that show so much. And I do, I want to spend like hours and hours talking with you about grief because I find grief just <gasps> fascinating. And, what and you're how about, about that this he teaches club. you that sitting with grief? Uh huh. And don't run, sit. Sit. Because then you will. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. Sitting with grief, with loss. Someone said, why do you think um, it hasn't, didn't have a higher viewership? And my answer to that simply is, I think it asks people yeah. to go to places they just do not. Yeah. If you go, though, like anything, if you just sit with it, like anything profound, yeah. then it will move you. Later. It'll open your life right, right up. Completely. And I, I've, I've struggled to describe the leftovers to people and to try to get people to watch because it is very bleak, especially at first. But it is that thing of like... You learn about yourself watching this show oh and how God. you process not just grief, but anything inexplicable, anything mysterious. And wh- like what that says about you, you can learn that from watching these characters operate in this kind of bizarro, but also realistic world. And the other, th- I don't know, we're probably finished, but um, you tell me. I want to tell you this, whether we're on this or we're not. Tell me everything. So it would dovetail in life too, as you said, what we, and I became very very close to Justin. Yeah. And when I flew to Australia to shoot that thing, cool. Yeah. I stayed with him, and a couple of days in, I had a major panic attack, the first of my life. Oh wow! Oh, an actual panic attack. Actual what? Yeah. And he knew immediately what it was. Whoa! And literally, without him, I don't know what would have happened, because he talked me through it. Wow! And and, and basically saved me. I, I mean, if I had been alone. Yeah. I mean. So the next day after this rather extraordinary, and Mimi Leader also, who's beyond, love her. Yeah. The next day I kind of wandered out of the apartment to kind of get a 
sense of, I have to shoot tomorrow, so I better get out of the house today. Uh-huh. I wandered in a ch- into a church. Uh-huh, cool. It seemed like a good place to go. And yeah. there was a um, <laughs> gift shop, and I wanted to get something for Justin to thank him. So the man looked at me. I hadn't said one word, and he looked at me, and he said, it's hard to be far away, isn't it, from home? You feel so lost, don't you? Whoa. And But being on The Leftovers, I was totally like, used to are that. Are you a character from The Leftovers? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, I just realized, you just listen to what's going on. Makes you realize, whoa. whoa. So, so I said, yes. And I said, I'm looking for a medal. I want to give my friend something. Yeah. And he said, okay, sure. And he talked to me about the saints and everything. And I chose one for Justin. Oh, cool. And the man was so lovely, like looking at me like, so on the way out, I said, oh, what is your name? And he said, Kevin. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What was your reaction? Just like I'm having now. <laughs> full um, It's gratitude. just like a sense of, like, of course. That's it. Yeah. Well, that, of course your name is Kevin. Of course it is. So amazing. I feel like everything Damon Lindelof touches just becomes that that strange. That's the thing. Yeah. And he's ethereal. the loveliest man. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm sure. I would love to go spelunking in his brain in that strange Hold on. brain of his. Yeah, really. Oh my God, no limits. I am I mean, I really do love that show and it is very silly um that the Emmys have never quite recognized it. But as you say, it's about the work and the awards is just a postscript. It's not central to the to it. Uh, I, I, and I'll say that that show will matter in people's lives for a very, very long time. Certainly. Uh, and it will stand the test of time I and agree. of brilliance. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Uh, because. And then it'll also let you work with all of those people again. Oh, my <laughs> on gosh. On something else. <laughs> That'd yes. be amazing. It would be. Um let me ask you a couple last sure, sure, honey. questions about acting. Sure, please. Because we are backstage and we're very much interested in the craft stuff. Um, how do you recommend actors handle rejection, the sheer amount of rejection that comes from constant auditioning? Well, I would say, and this comes with time, that on some level it is a choice we make the way we, a- we react to rejection. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, I say to my students... We don't need protection against loss or rejection. We don't need it because hmm. we have those we have those mechanisms. We get them as children when we do need them because we didn't have the adults there doing the right thing when a child needed it. So we have this, you know how that is. That's why we have defenses, guard, yeah. armor. Yeah. Our work as actors uh, on a personal level is to continue to drop the armor, drop oh. the armor, and just l- hit me. Yeah. Uh, and I, you do not need protection from rejection or anything because we have the largest hearts in the world. Oh, cool. Yeah. And therefore, we are given the strength to cope. So, hmm. uh, as I say, this comes with time. But I remember once after I had my second child, I was skinny. I went on a very and I couldn't get tired to save my life. Really? And I never looked better. But I And every time I would cry after each... Rejection, and there wow. were tons and tons. And finally, in the middle of a cry, I'm not even kidding, I think I was going, eh, and then I went, eh, <laughs> and I thought, why are you choosing this reaction? Uh huh. Why? It's a choice. There will be others. Yeah. For whatever reason, this is not yours. And I'm not even, I'm not even into meant to be 
blah, I don't yeah. go there. No. But what I say is, there are others. Yeah. Do not invest in this kind of, do not invest in an emotional response to rejection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's unavoidable. Yeah. But from that moment on, when I realize you are choosing this, which is not to diminish the disappointment one feels. Sure. But keep it there. Yeah. And know that yours is coming. Hmm. Yours is coming. Yours is coming. Um, Excellent. Yeah. And it keeps things, as I say, we we do we do have the strength, and we have to maintain our vulnerability to keep ourselves <laughs> in the human world, right? Yeah. yeah. But we don't need protection there. We don't need to be afraid of rejection. Ours will come. Yeah. Um, it will. That's so interesting. The act, like being an actor, involves so much of a sh- of a shedding of that protection and of a yes. willingly being vulnerable in in a scene, like on a yes. technical level in a scene, but also, yeah, professionally. And and, and in life. Yeah. I'm not afraid of it. I can manage it. I know I can. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but again, that comes with time. Well, and it goes back to the very beginning when you said it, it's just about repetition. That comes with practice. Mm-hmm. That, that making the choice and lowering your defenses and being open to the idea that it will come. That is a muscle that you can work. Well, that's true. It is. And I remember I've had times when I, I've said, if I don't get this role, something, I, I don't know what I'm going to manage. I'm going to manage. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of actors can relate to that. Yeah. yeah. I just, this has to happen. Yeah. Well, it will. Yeah. It will. Take a breath. Uh, keep yourself involved in the world. Keep yourself involved in things you love. And know that there's only so much you can control. Yeah. That's you excellent. Know? This is excellent acting advice. Thank you so much, Anne. Oh, my pleasure. You're like a you're like a guru for backstage actors. Oh, they're going to love hearing this. I can't wait to see what you do next and what you continue Thank you. to do. Such a pleasure. I love that advice about taking a breath and knowing that there's only so much you can control. Isn't that so true in acting and in life? Yeah, exactly. She was very pragmatic almost about Mm. how the real world intersects with the acting world. I thought that was fascinating. And I feel like a lot of great actors, the reason that they can dispense such great acting advice is because it doubles as life advice. This was such a good interview. This was such a good interview. (laughs) Yeah, and and don't you notice a commonality amongst uh, mm. some of a lot of the actors that they have a real interest in humanity and people yeah. and how that all plays. Yeah, it's quite a consistent theme, I think. Definitely, and that that kind of study and that idea that these voices and these influences come to her rather than her having to construct them. If she, if you're just in touch with who you are as an actor and with who you're not, she's certainly not, <laughs> and doubt is certainly not Aunt Lydia or Patty Levin. No. But if you're in touch with who you are enough, then you can get there with those characters. And my God, does she make those characters interesting and clear. Oh, yeah. So clear yeah. and compelling. What imagination. <laughs> Absolutely. That's another key ingredient. She's brilliant. I'm, I'm literally going to go back and listen to this episode right now. She's one of the best. Yeah. I think everyone needs to listen to this at least twice to get the full, full effect. That's right. Start on over, guys. All right. That brings us to the end of our show. Should we, should we wrap up? Let's do the credits. Let's do it. Thank you to today's guest, Anne Dowd. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe for more interviews from the front lines of the 2017 Emmy race. In the Envelope is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City. 
Thanks, as always, to producer Jamie Muffet. You can follow him on Twitter at JamieMusicNYC. I am Jack Smart. You can follow me on Twitter at JackSmartWrites. Thank you to the team at Backstage, a.k.a. the most trusted name in casting, Peter Rappaport, Ryan Remstad, Jesse Balashak, Francis Ramos, Rowan Al-Khatib, and especially the exquisite Casey Howe. For more awards and industry coverage, head over to Backstage.com. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another glimpse in the envelope. <laughs>